Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wet Boots Podcast where I talk to people who are or have been in the military and get a chance to hear the story. Very excited about my guest today. Um, I say that about all my guests, but I swear to God, I really mean it this time. My guest today is a handsome young man, as you can see. He's sporting the Rattler fit. Shout out, big shout out to Radler Fit. Uh, he got out earlier this year, and since then, he's managed to launch a few successful businesses and is now a real estate mogul in North Carolina. He's no stranger to the 95th or soft. Please give a warm welcome to my guest, Mr. Willie Vivas. Damn. Yo, the crowd loves you today. I'll play it again. Play the it crowd again, play loves it again. you today, baby. <laughs> Oh man, damn! One more time, okay. All right. All right, man. Willie, welcome to the podcast. Is uh, very glad to have you on the podcast. We got connected through a mutual friend, uh, and then you decided to come on the podcast, man. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And a little about my about myself is obviously a lot of people know that. Born in Venezuela, came to the States back in 1999, and I grew up in Miami, but lived throughout Florida, Broward County, back in the land, ended up in Charlotte, yeah. and joined the Army. Oh, shit, okay. And uh, in true Wet Boots fashion, in true Wet Boots fashion, we're going to go ahead and gift everybody love stickers. We're going to go ahead and gift you these two fucking, these two great stickers that only guests get. Here yeah, you go, man. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. That's All your right. prize for coming on to the oh, podcast. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, tell me why you joined. So joining the military was something I always wanted to do. Growing up, one of my best friends growing up, he was older than me and he was training to join the army. Mm-hmm. Trained for basic training. So funny thing is, I'll follow him. So he'll be running, you know, his two mile. I'll be right behind him. I was like 14, 15. And I said, you know what? When I turn 18, that's what I want to do. Growing up in Venezuela, my family, my cousins were military over there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of something that was embedded in me. Yeah. Um, once I turned 18, graduated from high school over there in Charlotte. And uh, I said, well, here he goes. Join Went to MAPS, you know, swore to protect the Constitution and, and join. And, and, and you were on your way, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that was like an early uh, 2010, and I graduated high school in 2010. So <laughs> it's been quite a journey for you. So you joined basic training in 2010. What do you remember from basic training? So going to basic training was early 2010, January, actually. Um, since you, I was infantry was OSIT, so it was all one one station training. It wasn't, there was no break. And uh, I do remember going in, and I was a hard-headed kid. You can mm-hmm. ask my mom about this. <laughs> um, I was always a troublemaker. I was getting suspended in detention, all that, which I regret, but hey, made me who I am today. Yeah. Um. So back in basic training, I remember my first impression, Drill Sergeant Manuma from Samoa, 6'5", 280 pounds, just a beast versus me. I'm short. Always been short. Yeah. So there was no playing around. So he, he, he put me in place. So you say that. He put you in check real yeah, quick. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. And from there, I was like, hey, I was always, you know, disciplined, paying attention throughout basic training. Also, you know, you, you have three drugs on his purple tomb. 
your son Lay um, also always had an eye for me. <laughs> I felt like he was picking on me, but at the same time, he, he always took care of me. And, and I remember I was always, you know, you're private, you don't know anything. So I was always like, when it came to a range or just training, I was always like, Flagging people, which is a big no go, because you don't know the difference at that point. You don't, you yeah, exactly. don't really, you're innocent in the army. You don't really know what's going on. Exactly, yeah. You, you're private. I mean, you you don't know. And um, I just remember I flagged somebody. I don't know who it was. I flagged somebody, and I just remember feeling elevated. I flew. <laughs> Humans can't fly. Your 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 feet are off the ground. My feet off the ground, and I'm against a wall. And I heard, if you ever flag somebody again, I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> Let me tell you, 13 years in the military, never did I flag somebody ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so that really stuck with you. Yeah, it stuck with me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. Because because when you're when you're young in the army and basic training, you don't really know what flagging means. You just point your weapon, whatever. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's your first time holding a weapon, and that's the only introduction that you get. Um, so, but after that, you never flag somebody ever after that. No. So from there, you know, with the nine weeks basic training. Um, technically graduated, but if you know about infantry training, it's also so it's all one station training. So after nine weeks, you move into it's fourteen weeks total, but you move into the next phase, um, the following weeks. So I remember being back in the barracks, and you know our platoon was very tight in uh, two five four infantry back in Fort Benning, and uh, I do remember us, you know, talking about it like, oh man, tomorrow. We're about to get graduate. We're about to donner berets or black berets. You know, we're about to be infantrymen, and and you know we're gonna go from red face, which a little background. Red face means you get you get hazed every day. You get smoked every day. You're doing push ups, sit ups. You're bear crawling the hill every <laughs> single day. So you know it was kind of like a break for us. We're like, man, finally we're gonna get a break. Finally we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna get. get You're gonna to get elevated step. a little bit. Well, guess what. The next day, we sure enough, Don your berets. Hey, Don your berets. All right. Half right face, front leaning rest position, move. And you're getting smoked. And we're getting smoked all day. So <laughs> for the next 14 weeks total of hell. But oh, my hey, God. It felt good at the end. Because from there, um, ended up in Germany. Out of my three places to choose to choose from, it was Hawaii, Fort Manning, which that's what I wanted, and Germany. Ended up with my third pick. Ended up with your third pick in Germany in this. And uh, how long did you spend in Germany? So from 2010 to 2012, I was in Germany. Um, there was a break in time there because I did, did deploy to Afghanistan in 2011 mm -hmm. and 2012. But I had a blast in Germany. Great people, great culture. So tell me um, a little bit more about Germany um, and uh, the time that you spent there. So getting to Germany, I remember you get to Frankfurt, take the bus, get to, ba I was in Bauhaus, Germany, what they call the rock, which literally was the highest point in Germany where back in World War II, the American Air Force was not able to bomb those buildings because it was so high up. Oh, shit. So being in Germany in those barracks, there were World War II barracks with the swastika oh, away wow. from them in, in the in the barracks. So it's it was pretty neat. Mm -hmm. They were underground bunkers and, and all this stuff. So it was pretty neat. But I'll tell you this. Getting to Germany, you know, you got the mentality of basic training. You don't know anything about the army. You get there and you're like, man, finally, I'm going to be a soldier. Like, mm -hmm. No one's going to mess with me. <laughs> get to Germany. The bus pulls up to bomb holder and literally we all get out. All these, you know, private, private first class, get out, specialists. 
And it's like a, Everybody starts picking Oh I want that one What's your PT score Oh I want that one <laughs> They just start picking you yeah. Like you're on a baseball team Yeah like a baseball Football team Then you get okay. to the company And you smoke all day I'm like man This is like This is worse than basic training <laughs> You just keep <laughs> well, getting yeah, smoked so, so I was like man This is gonna be Next years of my life yeah. But it, it was worth it Because honestly That company changed Not only my life But my career How so? During my time in Germany Was the first time where I had responsibility, I would say, or, or I had a, a change of thought because previously in my civilian life, I was always getting in trouble. I was a hothead, um, getting suspended um, from school, detention, so on and so forth. Getting to, you know, past basic training, getting to Germany, you have that one person, that one person you will never forget in your life. That was Staff Sergeant Dvorak. That was my squad leader back shout then. Out. Shout Definitely out. Staff shout Sergeant out, Staff Sergeant Dvorak. Definitely, and, and he was hard on us, not just me, but my whole squad. You know, we were back in the barracks um, doing the battle drills Monday to Friday, you know, from after PT to, to 1700, just back and forth, react to contact, break contact, react to contact, break contact. And, and you guys were just practicing the basics. Just practicing the basics, but it wasn't just practice, it was just getting smoked. I mean, we're tired, we're beat. Yeah. We're like, man, I hate this dude. But, <laughs> but you know what? As time was forward, you know, you, you start appreciating it. You're like, man, this this actually makes me better. I understand what the battle drills are. Again, being an infantryman, that's your bread and butter. Yeah. You know, react to contact or search, you know, down rangers searching for the enemy to destroy them. So what makes you better than understanding what the tactics are? So that's something we really appreciated from him. And honestly, that's something I appreciated from Staff Sergeant Dvorak at the time. And not only that, just uh, he saw something in me. So during that time, the, I was in 170 Infantry Brigade and they actually deactivated. But during that time, they had just returned from Iraq. Okay. And a lot of the senior NCOs, PCS. So it was a very young company. And not that many senior NCOs or even junior NCOs, just a lot of privates and specialists running around. Yeah. And a few staff sergeants. So he was my squad leader and he saw something in me. And that was, and, and that's something I'll bring up later that, and I have proven this. I was a hothead. You know, I was always getting in trouble. <laughs> but he, he saw something in me and he's like, hey. he fired the, the, the team leader at the time, a specialist. And I was just like a little PC. PFCVS, you're the team leader. Now. And from there, from that point on, I always became team leader. But guess what? When he gave me that responsibility, something changed in me. I was like, mm-hmm. man, like now I'm responsible for these four gentlemen right here. Now I'm responsible for their training, their actions. So it, it makes you see things in a different perspective. Yeah. And that's something that's something that really changed my life back in the day. When you're responsible for other people, you start realizing that um, your your decisions have consequences, not only for you, but for other people as well. And you start realizing that like, oh shit, I decided to do this. Now all my guys are doing that. And it, it just opens up another world for you. But he put you in charge of a, of a specialist at that point. And you're a PFC at that point. And um, like you said, it was kind of like a turning point for you because as hard headed as you are, (laughs) 
as you were at that point, you had to, uh, you had to be responsible for the people around you. And like you said, you know, you work hard, play hard. Yeah. Like that, that, that was almost always my thing. Like, Hey, whatever the, the job is, whatever the, we had to do that day. That's what we're going forward, you know? And exactly, exactly right. Like you, you're in charge of, of your little team. Yeah. And you, you take pride in that. You want to be responsible for that because if, if they fail, you fail. Yeah. Or if you fail, they fail. And you don't want that. Like, I'm, I don't think nobody wants that. So ever since I was you know, young, I was like 19 at that point. So, you know, I was always working hard, make sure, like, they were taken care of. I was I was always on my game. I was always, you know, learning so I can teach them. I was always reading. You were honing your skills. Exactly. And and just not only honing it, but practicing it and taking an action to it. Because guess what? The following year, we're deployed to Afghanistan. Oh, shit. So, you know, at the time, it was a surge. 2010, 2011, that was a surge in Afghanistan. So everybody was getting ready to deploy. So I'm here in Germany, 175th Infantry Brigade, and we're getting ready to deploy. So... These, these squad leaders, these staff, there were only about four or five staff sergeants in the whole company with experience in Iraq. So they're teaching us what, what they learned, how to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Again, no experience in Afghanistan at the time. So I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to take your word for it because I want to come back alive. Yeah. I want my soldiers to come back alive. So we're just back and forth, back and forth behind the barracks, just training, 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 getting smoked, which, you know, Everybody hates it, but for somebody like me, that's hard. that's that's hard headed. That's that helps because it, it makes you think, hey, this is serious. Like it's not just about me; it's about everybody else. You know? Yeah, and and uh, some some might call it hazing, but it's just honing your skills and it's getting and it's uh, sharpening the iron to be able to make that just a reflex. And just when you're in the shit and when you're in the actual danger, it just becomes a reflex. Because I heard I heard the story. Uh, I think it was from uh, one, of, one of my other, one of my previous guests that he said that um, in the range they would shoot and as they would shoot they would pick up their ammo and they would shoot and they would pick up their ammo and eventually this guy ended up dying because it became a reflex he would shoot and then he'd pick his, his ammo and as he was picking up his ammo the enemy fucking shot him you know and I think what he did was probably those soldiers didn't realize it at the time, but it really ended up honing, it really ended up helping them hone their skills at the time. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, uh, about your first combat deployment to Afghanistan. Because at this point, you're deployed to Afghanistan. Yeah, so 2011, deployed to Afghanistan. That's my very first deployment. We're deploying Kunduz, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Fab Kunduz, um, across the, P- the German PRT, there was uh, the airfield right in the middle. And for those that watch the news, you know, Coons was a very hot head for Taliban activities. But it just so happens that my company got assigned to the north. So we were at the border with Tajikistan. We built a cop, a combat outpost from the battlegrounds, literally. I couldn't tell you right now, but we were just digging with buckets. You guys, were just, you guys were just, just roughing had, it. Yeah, it sucked. Beginning, but... <laughs> But guess what? Like, just thinking about it, from the beginning where there was, imagine this field of nothing to walls of Hesco's, which are, you know, these barriers full of sand, towers. Now we have tents with a gym and showers, you know. We're pissing in tubes, and now we have actual bathrooms. So Mm -hmm. just to show you that you keep improving your foxhole. So 
nine months we were there, 12 months actually, 12 months we were there, we kept improving the foxhole and made this cop like a combat, a real combat outpost. You not turned only, nothing into something. Exactly. And not only that, we had an aerial operation, the Sasa Battalion, a company, Sasa Battalion, and it was good and bad. The bad is that, you know, we supported our Afghan partners, the, the police and the military there. So the, whenever the AMP or ALP, you know, the Afghan local police or the Afghan National Police got in contact, got into a firefight, we will assist them by responding. The problem is the areas were so far located that by the time we got there, two things will happen. Either the police were all dead oh. or the Taliban were all dead. Oh, my God. I remember living in my head of getting to a point and this police in a motorcycle with a Taliban, like, wrapped around his motorcycle, just throwing him off. Or all the times where we will get there and the police will be completely wiped out and that's that's just how it was. Oh my God, I can't even imagine to believe that. Holy shit. So you guys turned nothing into something. Filling the house goes with buckets. You fill the cop from the ground up. Like you said, you, you build uh, something from nothing and then um, you see all this danger going on around you. You come back. Um, what happens when you come back? So redeploying 2012, after a 12 month deployment in Afghanistan. So at the, at the time, President Obama closed down the the a lot of the combat arms in in Europe, not just Germany, in Europe. So I I think it was February, February and March. I got back, and they're like, "Hey, you have to PCS. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a specialist by now." I'm like, okay. So they gave me a few choices. I chose Force 2 Georgia because at the time, I'm like, well, my parents now are living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I still have friends in Florida. I'm like, well, that's, that's right in the middle. That's right in the middle. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, why not go to Force 2 Georgia? PCS, a couple months after I get back from, from Afghanistan. First of Conus, PCS, you know, which I didn't have much stuff to to move with you know i just yeah. had like a tv my playstation and so, yeah. on and so forth so i get i get to force tour georgia and um sure enough um i get there and the first time welcome me is like hey welcome to you know two seven infantry well guess what we deploy in november we're like in april right now. Shit. i'm like i'm like i'm like first sergeant i just got back from afghanistan he's like well do you want to deploy? Because now we're saying to another company. I'm like, no, I, I want to deploy. Yeah, because you're a brand new, you're a brand new specialist. Exactly. You don't want to seem like you don't, you're not exactly. a team player or anything. Especially in the infantry. I mean, yeah. you're infantry, so you're, you're brainwashed to go. No, <laughs> go yeah. destroy the enemy, yeah, dude. Destroy the enemy. So like, hey, for sorry, I'm ready to deploy. He's like, okay, cool. All you right. Know, since you got back, sign this paper right here. What was that paper? It was the next day. I mean, I'm waving my dwarf time because. For every month you deploy, you know, you have so, so yeah. a month for that you got to be back in the States. Well, I, do I, uh, I, I, at that time, that's 2012, I waived it, redeployed to Afghanistan in 2012. So, Jesus, so you're back into, and you're back in Afghanistan in 2012. Yeah, yeah I should have bought a property there. But, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, huh, but I'll tell you what, like, Force Tool was, was one of those duty stations where a really new commodity, like, Mm -hmm. Like the the people I grew up with there, like their their brother, like the brother who I created there, and, and we're still, you know, very tight. 
yeah it's something that i'll keep for the rest of my life i mean and those bonds are really special sometimes yeah. Th- those yeah. bonds are really special because you just meet those people that you just bond with and you just know that this friendship is going to last forever no matter what you can go months without talking to them and then they just hit you up with a meme or hey how's it going and shit like that and you just pick right back where you were at yeah especially there like you know like so i was the 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 youngest enlisted there i was just a specialist while they they were all team leader um sergeants e5s and um yeah i mean you know it was all it, it was all about what you brought to the table you know yeah same time to take care of your soldiers so you know, while the man, so it was a heavy mech infantry unit. So while the minor section was in the motor pool, you know, messing with the Bradleys, I ridden in Bradleys. I couldn't tell you anything about Bradleys. I just know, <laughs> I just know how to be in the back of the Bradleys, sitting down and just sweating in heat, <laughs> hoping, hoping that something comes up where they need to dismount and the door opens. Literally, like, like. We had a big training exercise in NTC in California. I just remember being in the back of the rally just middle summer. Oh, NTC, God, dude. Yeah, so. Oh, man. Little, and these rallies these have no AC, so I'm just in the back. I'm like, with my squad. I'm like, man, this sucks. Just sweating. <laughs> About to pass out. Like, I hope like a IED or something comes up. <laughs> just the just, door just, opens. Just so the door opens. Like, come on, please. <laughs> Like you're begging for for contact, come on, shoot at us or something, cause it sucked just being in there. I thought I was gonna die in there, but guess what? Back back in the day, again, in a heavy mech unit, dismounts. They don't care about dismounts. So yeah. we dismount, we go clear some some high sides or something up in the mountains, and and guess what? My squad, actually two of our squads are clearing high sides. Um, me being a squad leader and Joel Homer. The other squad leader, and we're cleaning some high sides, and we look down the valley, and we see this battalion size of ten of M one M one Abrams and Bradleys into it, just moving forward. And like man, that's our battalion right there, <laughs> and they're leaving us behind. So you know, we try to contact them with a one five two radius, but nothing, no contact. No, the the radios are never working. We're going black on water because remember it's like one hundred five degrees out yeah. in the desert. So we're like man, we're going black on water. And all the time there, it's gone, and we can't reach him. And we look at each other, man, this sucks, and we're about to be hurting. So, <laughs> so first time I, I really felt <laughs> left behind, and I understood what a heavy map was. Like, yeah. So good, but that's the good good experiences that that, that you find. Those shit experiences is what yeah. really kind of like you remember, and then they also define you at the same time. Yeah. So you're in your second deployment at this point, right? So. I got back from from Afghanistan, mm-hmm. um, and you're a Fort Stewart, and then you're uh, and then I'm to, a Fort Stewart, and then to tell you, hey, redeploy. you're gonna go back. Yeah, I redeployed in same time, 2012, but this time I was in Helmand, in, in the Helmand Valley, which mm-hmm. was at the time one of the hotbeds of Afghanistan. Literally, the four or five months we were there at the beginning, we had the most medevacs of all of Afghanistan. Like, literally. Jesus, so it was a hotbed. Oh yeah, we. I mean, it was like the Wild West. Yeah, like during the summer times, there was not a day where we didn't take contact. Um, and it just like that's where I really got my firefight experience. Tell me about your first firefight experience. Like, what was going through your head? So my first one was in this village called 
you know, we named this, you know, each in the air operation, we call this New York. We're in New York and um, we took contact or we took fire from across New York. And I just remember I pied from a little, a little house I was there and it was straight away to a farm and the other side of the farm, that's where we're taking contact from. You know, popping shots, pop, 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 with my M4, you know, trying to pick my targets. And then as I'm picking my targets, I just see a barrel <laughs> of a scar come through my face. Like, just right, right in your face. And then you start taking shots, like 762, bam, bam, bam. So I look back, and it was the, the one of the ODA guys just taking shots. He's like, keep shooting. I'm like, oh, shit. Bah, 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 bah. But, man, that, that was so my first firefight that, that, that was it. Just picking fire and just us shooting back. Um, obviously, we took them down. Um, and that set the tempo for the rest of the deployment until winter season. But during the hot season, you just back and forth. Boy, we were getting rocketed, mortared. Um, it, it got to a point where, like, so our bathrooms, you know, our bathroom, our shooters were wag bags. I don't know if you're yeah, I've heard of wag bags. So you know, I come with my little wag bag, but for whatever reason, every time we got mortar, what's wrong with the bathroom? <laughs> no, no. So check, check this out. Check this, <laughs> check this, I used to get pissed. <laughs> Wait, every time you guys got yeah. mortar, you were taking a yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. I, I used to piss me off because I'd be. I wouldn't be <laughs> I'll be with my little wag bag. If you guys know what a wag bag is, <laughs> it's just a so, white bag. Yeah, it's just a little trash bag. Yeah, where your shit goes on. So I'll be there. You know, I'll be in a little stall. You will never, you will never forget this noise. Oh, you don't. That's that mortar going above you. And all I could think of was like, please don't land here. Please don't land here. Please don't land here. And you see her like five seconds later. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And like, thank God. I kept doing my thing. You but kept I like, shitting? I like, yeah. I was like, at least I didn't die. Because who wants to die taking a shit? Not me. <laughs> I'm so here. <laughs> Dying just like Elvis. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, that's why I'm experienced there. But, oh, man, that's awesome. No, but, but I mean. But you worked with the ODAs there. Yeah, right? so so I was with, we were doing bills. Stability operations. Our platoon got split up into uh, four areas. So my squad was with the ODA. Literally about half a mile down was the Marsop. We're another, we're another squad. Across the valley, there's a river. It was Navy SEALs. And then about at the 11 o'clock was another Marsop unit. If you guys don't know any history about the Helmand Valley, it's a very... It's a hot valley. It, it, it's a hot valley, and it, it has a lot of prominent Taliban activity. At the time, this was this was 2013, where, to the point where at the 11 o'clock where the Marsop was, they had to break down. It's the only time where the Marines brought in Abrams tank to cover the sick while they were uh, retrograding. Oh, shit. It was also a time where the SEALs across the street, or across the, across the, the valley, the valley um, I think it was called Magtop. They were getting pretty beat up. Um, where the point where the Taliban got about 75 meters out. It's the first time in my life where the Marine Cobras, because a lot, a lot, the Marines support us, and thank you, Marines. A lot of the Marines um, 
support us with air support mm-hmm. with the Cobras and Hueys. Um, it was the first time in my life where I saw literally I'm at the tower, I'm looking through the, the scopes, and all you see is a, a cobra, which is like the Apache, but you see a cobra and um, airburst RPGs going off around there. I'm like, man, oh, shit. I, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck. I'm like, that, that cobra's about to get shot down, and they were just getting messed up over there. Yeah. Sure enough, th- this happened in March. I will never forget it. It's like March 6th or 7th. About three or four hours later, we get hit. And it was one of the longest firefights we had from different tower. We got hit from every side. And oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was uh, uh, on the 50 cal. It's just Mark 19. My soldiers helped me reload the 50 cal. Hop in the 50 cal. But everybody was up in the 240 saws, minigun. Everything was going off. Everything. Uh, the... Base that supported us was Leatherneck, and the Leatherneck they had um they had high the, marks, yeah. So the, the the rocket high marks, you know, you see him punch in. Um, we gave him the grids, so I mean, it was, it was crazy. And that was just summer season, winter season, the winter season, it, it cooled down. This was the November, December, January time frame, so there wasn't really much going on, but freezing your ass off. And I hate the cold, if you don't know anything about me, I hate the cold, so I'm in my. Did you ever get a marshmallow suit? Yeah, yeah. So never wore that thing because well, I hate the heat. I love the cold. Well, I'm vice versa. <laughs> I had the marshmallow suit on, and I'm freezing my ass off. I'm like, man, if I could set a fire in this tower, I surely would, because I hated it. Like, I hated the cold. My hands were freezing, my feet were freezing, my ass were freezing, and I'm just there with and I and. I, I was, I, it was suck because I had the night shift. So I'm like, man, with knots on. Oh, fuck. With knots on, like, this fucking battery's dying. And I'm fucking freezing. <laughs> I'm ready to go back to, to my little cot in the cold. Yeah. Just so I can get under my whoopee. I love the whoopee. Just so I get under Shout my, out to the whoopee. Shout out to the whoopee. But it's, it, it sucked. Winter season sucked. And I was like, man. Not to mention all the rats. Oh, yeah. It was Rat City. <laughs> I hate rats. You know why I hate rats? Because Afghanistan. Why? Because the rats will eat the best MREs. They don't care about the shitty MREs. I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, look, I love Sloppy Joes. You know what the rats eat? Sloppy, sloppy Joe. Joes. You know what Sloppy Joe has? It has the, the, the brownie. Oh, the chocolate yeah. brownie. You know what rats love? The chocolate, chocolate brownie. <laughs> so... You I don't know. think I don't think the younger the younger generation knows about the sloppy joes. You have no idea how much I hate rats. Like, like literally, I think my kill count of rats was like over 150 plus. Literally, so check this out. So no, 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 this is a real story. So I'll be sleeping, and I made it to where. So I made a little table, and I put my MREs on top. Like everybody had their MREs over there. But I had my MREs on top, so I'm like, man, these rats ain't going to get to it. Because I had, like, three or four. Yeah. Wait, so you had a table, and then you had, like, three or, more, three or four. Like, yeah, stacked, stacked up. On top. It stacked up. And I'm like, man, these rats ain't going to... And it, not only that, I had glue traps and everything around this. So, so, like, so, you, so you were ready. I was ready. But guess what? I'll come back from the tower, and you hear a little squirming. <laughs> so, I, you know, you have your little headlights, and, and you're, you know, you're sleeping, and you're like, what the hell is that? So you check... Sure enough, rat eating my shit. <laughs> rat eating the good MREs. Rat, rat yeah. fucking the MREs. They, 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 <laughs> but they like the good MREs. They never ate the omelet. They never ate the shitty food. <laughs> they, they wanted the good shit. That used to piss me off. They never ate the vegetarian. Yeah. 
those motherfuckers. <laughs> they never ate the vegetarian yeah. ones or the vegan ones, yeah. man. I like, man, get get you on a diet or some shit, you know? <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. Oh, God damn, that, it just so happens that the, <laughs> with the rotations, we're rotations to what's called OCOP. So we're protecting a bridge that went to a VSP. If you knock that bridge down, there was no support going in. This is the only place in Afghanistan where our supplies were airdrop. So every third or fourth week, we get an airdrop from a C-130 or C-17. We drop off air bundles of oil, fuel, and food okay. and water. So at nighttime, you know, you, we already had a downplay. You know, the, the police will secure the area. It's dark. It's like 1 or 2 in the morning. They'll start dropping our air stuff. You know, we're looking through the knots. We'll, we'll be looking like, man. I was coming kind of quick. So it's the fuel. Man, that was coming kind of quick. And then, sure enough, like, it, it was just exploding the bottom. It's, it's like, well, there goes four bundles of oil. Fuck. So they, they would just come in hot? They would come in hot. So. Holy shit. But, again, remember I told in the beginning, we only had 300 meters of white space. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it was all IED land. Yeah. So, you know, we we lost two or three bomb dogs just from oh, no. stepping in, in, in bad areas. And um, but that that's how we got that's how we got resupplied. Mm-hmm. So do, during that time, like like I was telling you, you no, know, we get resupplied at night. Come in, OCOP, and OCOP was a little outpost with, that had the rat infestation. <laughs> Not only that, it had a whole bunch of cats. But guess what? The cats were lazy. I hated, <laughs> I hated the cats too. For real, <laughs> they're just. I'm serious. These cats will see their rats <laughs> passing by them, and they wouldn't do shit. But bring fleas to the fucking hotel. <laughs> I hated that place. Oh my god, I'm having so much fun. Holy shit! Oh, I'm having so much but, fun. But at the time, it sucked. But now you think about it, it's, it, it's just it, a funny it's story. Just you suck. You know, we're all together. We were sucking. The, the, You're the, all sucking together. Yeah, it's the, just a funny story afterwards. Yeah, yeah, the, you know, middle of summer, winter, middle of the winter, the general, I be, look, by by MOS, I was 11 Bravo. I became a diesel generator mechanic because that diesel generator that every fucking time, and I was under, behind it, fucking, fucking with it, putting cables together, <laughs> trying to make it work. Oh, hell no, I'm not going to, li- I'm not going to sleep in this heat. Oh, hell oh, no, I'm shit. not going to sleep in this, in this, in this cold. So we're fixing, hey. I was like, hey, bring that oil over here. We're going to put some more oil over there. <laughs> oh, so. my God, dude. So you, so you had your work cut out for you in Afghanistan. So after that, after that, I'm assuming, obviously, you redeploy, come back to Garrison. Uh, what, uh, what, ha- what happens to you in Garrison? So now we're talking about July. About, yeah. July. Tw- July 2013. Yeah. I come back. Um. I'm back in Fort Stewart, Georgia, and at the time, I didn't know what to do with my life. And what I mean by that is I was thinking of ETS, you know, getting out of the military. When, and I'm sorry to stop you there, but um, we all experience this and we don't talk about it, is when we come back from deployment, we feel like time stops. For us, time really stops because we leave for, we leave for a certain amount of time and then we come back and we try to pick up where... We left off, but we don't realize that everyone else has gone forward. 
And, the, and that's what we talked about in my last episode. And, and, and it really, it, you really do feel like a sense of like, it's not fair. It's really not because everyone else has gone forward and I've just done so much. I've gone through so much and you come back and you're like picking up where you left off and you're like, this isn't fair. Yeah. I, I think it's because I, at the end of the day, no one really cares about the people that were there with you. Yeah. And that's the, that's the honest reality. Yeah. And you come back, you know, everybody's quick to give you a, an award or, or a handshake or a thank you for your service. You know, you, but they don't understand what you've been through. Yeah. And the close calls you've been through, the, the, the people you lost, they don't really, they don't really know. So at the time, we're back in garrison. You feel a little bit lost. You feel a little lost, and immediately you pick up the rotation of what the army does. You know, you're in rest cycle. What do you do? Your squad is cutting grass. Mm-hmm. Your squad is in the motor pool doing BS with the with the Bradleys. You the feel homies. really mundane. So you're like, man, it's just what I really want for another 16 years of my life, 15 years of my life. Like, at least for me, it was like, nah, that's not what I want. So I remember going to the sword recruiter. You know, because I wanted to go SF, mm-hmm. having experience with them, you know, talking to them, getting with, mentor- the, with the ODAs, with the ODA, getting mentored by them. Like, you are the perfect candidate for special forces. Why don't you go SF and you kill it over there? I'm like, you know what? I'll take you up on that offer. Got back and went to a sword crew. The only problem is back in the day, I only had a GT score, which came from the ASVAB that I took when I was 17. I had a GT score, GT score of 96. You needed a minimum of a 108 to go SF with a waiver. Yeah. Because they only took 110. It just so happens back in 2015, you could get into civil affairs with a tech score of 100. Okay. That worked? That did work. So I'm like, well, what's civil affairs? You know, I was on the sole recruiter, like, well, you can't go SF, but go across, go over there to that corner where Soul Affairs is. I think they'll take you. Which it always, it always works out that way. Yeah. Go, go over there real quick. Yeah, so again, I don't know what Soul Affairs is. So I'm like, hey, I just got sent from across the, the, the recruiting station. Yeah. They say you guys take a tech score. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 we take a, we, we take a tech score. Yeah. Like, well, what's Soul Affairs? Oh, you know, um... You get to pull to all these. Co- what, what's your language? Oh, I speak Spanish. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you, know, you get to pull all throughout, you know, South America, doing crazy stuff. I'm like, oh man, that's cool. That's well, where they got you, South America. Yeah. So you know, I'm like, all right, well, shout out, ninety eight. So anyways, <laughs> the old So you know, at the time, I had a text score. So I'm like, all right, yeah. So I signed the paper. You know, you do your your little PT test there. And there I am in selection, past selection. Mm-hmm. Um, then I go to airborne school because I was an airborne. So now we're talking about 2015. And, um, man, I always have the worst luck. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Why is that? Because at airborne school, you know, yeah, you, it's silly. But, you know, you do all the PT stuff. And then you're, by now, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an NCO. So you're taking care of all the soldiers on there. You get pawned off. But anyways, that's, that's, that wasn't the bad part. It was the first jump. What happened in your first jump? So five jumps to graduate from basic, or from, from airborne school. school. 
well, because I'm the most unluckiest person in the world, <laughs> my first jump is when I get hurt. Oh, no. Fuck up my, my ankle. So there I am, my first jump, I'm like, you know, and every jump in air was supposed to be a night jump. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> when you jump, your eyes are closed. Yeah. I don't remember where I landed. But anyways, <laughs> first jump, landed, messed up my ankle. I'm like, man, I don't really want to recycle. No. I'm not gonna, oh, I'm not going to say shit. So my ankle's like this big, and I'm over there shuffling airborne airborne all the way (laughs) and you are just fucking gritting your teeth and you are in pain you're sweating you're almost passing out from the pain yeah popping ibuprofen for breakfast lunch and dinner 100 that's that ranger candy baby yeah but man that sucked i was like man that's my luck yeah but you know no way in hell i'm recycling this place again yeah nobody wants to recycle airborne school fuck no so especially after that first jump Mm mm-hmm so guess what? Even if I was hurt, I was the the, the loudest one. Airborne, airborne, all oh, you know. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah, yeah but but now I get back to the bedside, man. It's just fuck. <laughs> You're like, I'm, please don't make me stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, past that, PCS and Ralph. So what that means is, you know, from four store airborne school pass, go straight to um, Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. We're calling it Fort Bragg, not Fort fucking Liberty. Yeah. Whatever Fort, the fuck it is. Fort Bragg forever. Yeah. Fort Bragg forever, Fort baby. Forever. Yeah. Anyways, got to Fort Bragg 2015 and um, sorry, the CAQC. Yeah. Was a holdover. And um, at the time, um, the NCO that was in charge was Surface Class Ramos. Literally, like the, the, the first day I was there, it's like, hey, man, what's your language? I'm like Spanish. He's like, oh man, that's great. Fill this out so you can skip language. I'm like, oh shit, really? Say no Fill more. that shit out so fast. Because guess what? I spoke Spanish, but guess what language I got? French. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't speak French. I just no. know. I just know we oui, we oui and bonjour and croissant. Yeah, avec moi. That's what. That is way too much that I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, nah, say no more. So spoke or. Signed that that paper, got assigned to uh, Spanish, went through a Q course. The Spanish, um, actually, I got lucky, and four of us got picked to doing, I would say, like a accelerated Spanish. We actually got to be in Pinehurst, North Carolina, for eight weeks on an advanced level Spanish. We oh, lived, shit. We lived okay. in, in, in Pinehurst, and the teachers would come to our house over there in Pinehurst, paid by the Army. To teach us advanced Spanish, so really? we can get a three-three. Mm-hmm. I never heard about that. Yeah, Damn, that's so, that good life. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, you know, the teacher would come every day. Um, there was one officer, and then the rest were enlisted. Um, and we just be chilling at the house and the okay. pool, or. Damn, so, so you just chilling in CAQ. Well, you, you passed CAQC. Pass CAQC, this was towards the Accelerated end. language, and Accelerated you're just language. chilling. They, they gave us a choice where either, you know, you skip language or do this, you know. Accelerated a, language as, course. Accelerated language course. As a, as a test run, see how it goes. And um, sure enough, like they rented a home and over in Pinehurst. And I remember. Loving, chilling life. Oh, I was chilling. So after that, you uh, get to the 95th. Home of the civil affairs. Yeah, I get to the 95th, go to 98th, um, which that was my home for 
Seven years of my life. He's no stranger to the 98th, folks. No, the Ocho. Lives and breathes the Ocho. Yeah. Order from Chaos. La Puente Entre Medio. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to... I, I was a janitor earlier. You um, was a what? The janitor. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to... Charlie Company 98. That's what I'm talking about. Shout out to Charlie Company 98, baby. So at the time when I got to 98, you had to do a, a board. Mm -hmm. It's the, the selection board to pick which company you're going to. So what happened, this was back in the day. It's not longer like this, but all the first times will line up and they'll pick, um, yeah, like him or her, I want her or him in my company. Um, so it's just, just like a little board they did. Okay. So I remember it was my turn. You know, they hate me. They were like, oh, to ask you questions. And, you know, they're like, what's your background? You know, they, they're just they're, they're just you. digging into you and grilling you. Yeah, so I ended up in Charlie Night. The only one out of my peers that I ended up in Charlie Night, which I appreciate. Hell yeah, Charlie Night was the best company in the battalion, and will always be the best. Company. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and debate that one. But uh, no, it was it, it was good at the time. I, I, Shout I out to Bravo it. Company ninety eighth. Nah, negative. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it was a good time. This was, you know, t still 2015, going to mm -hmm. 2016. Um, at the time, had the the first arms were switching over, and then the incoming one, man, he was, he is very knowledgeable, and just took me in and just fed me information. Okay. Um, and, and at this point, do you deploy with uh, with the 98th? So 2016, and not 2016, I do deploy to Peru. Okay. To the Amazons. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. So, How's that? Well, I understood what triple canopy is. What is that? When you can't see the the, the sunlight. Oh shit! Trees. <laughs> Holy shit! So you're looking up in the Amazon, you can't see a goddamn thing. Yeah. So it's dark as shit. You don't even know if it's sunlight or day or nighttime. Yeah. I mean, at the time, you know, when you go into the jungle, yeah, we were we had a pretty nice team house. Um. Quitos, which is the biggest town in the Amazon region, uh -huh. that's where our team house was was at, and and I got you know I got to explore that area, got to experience that that environment, um, up and down the Amazon River, see the the issues that were going on the in the area, helping the 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 host nation military, not only the host nation but internationally too, like. And you're talking to generals at this point as a E6. Oh, yeah. So being a Spanish speaker, I'm, I'm the, you know. You're speaker. the primary the uh, prim speaker. Yeah, I'm the primary speaker. So, yeah, talking to generals in the area. Hey, what are the issues in the area? There's a lot of illegal mining, narco trafficking, so on and so forth, which you find in a lot of areas. But specifically in this area, it's, it's hard to combat because just the terrain. Yeah. You have rivers, you have jungle. Swamps and all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah. There. I mean. I, I remember taking a trip and and <laughs> so we take a trip to a little area where they had like little monkeys running around. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're cute little monkeys. Well, cute little monkey. There's there was a British tourist in front of me, and the little monkeys were stealing from her purse. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so I'm laughing. Well, guess what? Little monkeys come to my come to me. And they start jumping over me, and then one, one of those suckers puts their, their little paws in my mouth. 
Ugh. Yeah, and I got pissed off. I'm like, man, fuck these monkeys. Did you bite it? I sure enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, no, but, but goes to show you, these they're gangsters. Oh, they work for the they work for the the cartels down there. I mean, they're like a mafia. These little monkeys are like a mafia. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, so they're they're working together. They're work. They're, they're oh, they, smart. They, they know the tourists. Oh, they yeah, know yeah, what yeah, they can yeah, get yeah, from yeah, the tourists and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I want to fuck with them. Yo, shout out to the monkeys, bro. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. That's what we want to hear. But guess <laughs> what? I'm gonna come back with my squad. I'm gonna fuck you all up. <laughs> <laughs> so you come. So you go to Peru uh, uh, in the 98th. You're happy. You don't even know what sunlight is at that point. Because you're in the Amazon, you talk to generals as a canco, and then you come back. Where do you deploy after that? So I got back from Peru, still in charter company. Now we're talking about December 2017. December 2017, myself and the first sergeant deployed to Colombia. Okay, now I'm in the CMOC. I I get moved from the team to a CMOC. Are you still in E6 or are you in E7 at this point? I'm still in E6. Okay. Um, which is quite a big deal as an E6 in the CMOC. Yeah, I mean, and, and I give great things because it was in the CMOC where I feel like in civil affairs, I learned a lot of my skills. Mm -hmm. and, and I get great things to that. It's so, where you get a peek uh, behind the scenes of everything that's going on. Yeah, so my, my mind just went boom. So deployed December 2017. Um, I'm in Bogota, Colombia. And if you guys have not been there, after Christmas, nothing goes on there. Nothing. Zero. So I'm like, man, I thought Colombia was going to be cool. But there's nothing. <laughs> it know? just shuts down. It just shuts down because all the locals go out to their countryside, you know, their hometowns. They to, go out to, like, their villages and exactly, stuff. Exactly, to enjoy New Year's. Well, the, the capital itself is empty. Oh, okay. So I hit up the ODAs over there. I'm like, hey, man, what y'all up to? You know, they're burned out because they're ready to come back home. Yeah. They're like, nah, nothing. I'm just sleeping or chilling. Like, uh, you know, because I'm fresh. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you're I'm brand new. Brand you're brand new, new to the yeah, country, I'm and you want to go do something. You want to yeah. go do some hood rat shit. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, guess what? There wasn't shit to do. Oh my god. So I'm walking around Bogota, like Sonate, and just like, man, this, this what a boring city. And I remember, like New Year's Day, like the thirtieth, thirty first, and the first. I'm just sitting in my in the apartment, just like. Bored, just waiting, watching Netflix, nothing to do. I was like, man, this deployment is gonna suck. <laughs> well, January comes in, and then the the rest of the company infills to their perspective um, areas, and then that's when st the work starts picking up. You know, that's when I start learning little by little, like at the strategic level, which is the embassy level in TSOC. What we're like, what they're looking for, how the operational level works, what the teams are doing at the tactical level. So I start putting everything together, and like that's where I, I learned really most of my experience that I feel like made me successful the rest of my career at civil affairs. Um, but it, but it was good. I mean, Monday to Friday at the embassy, working with all the agencies, understanding what each of their missions was, understanding how it's all time tied into the national defense tragedy and how we fit into that and what we bring to the table and how if we bring this to the table, how they support us in a way, you know, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we don't have many resources, but if we're able to tie this in, 
we're golden, you know. We so just- at that point, you uh, you're working at the embassy level, and you start to see the strategic the where uh, civil affairs in your in your case plays a point in the strategic level of national defense and how every single part plays a role in building the puzzle yeah. of um, the strategic uh, offense in that point. Exactly, because it, th- this is not something you learn at in the Q course. It's not, no. This is not something you learn at battalion, because at the end of the day, like a battalion, they're so worried about that tracker. Are mm-hmm. you going this? Are you going that? Which doesn't really matter. <laughs> Hashtag red to green, baby. <laughs> you got what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, it don't matter. So it, it's... it's that and it's sad to say, but that's what we focus on. Mm-hmm. Hey, is this tracker green? They're feeding BS to to the higher ups, you know, to a colonel and this. So, honestly, like if, if you really want to be productive, just train or mimic what really that that strategic level mindset is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really what I learned. At, at that level, um, you know, Palantir, it, w- it was something new. Um, I took ownership of that at the time, and I tried to teach my peers um, how to work it, how to, how to master it, and then yeah, I was going town to town. You were going all around the country all teaching all Palantir, and, but at the same time, you were mastering the basics. Exactly, mastering the basics and bringing it all together to support the strategic level thinking, support the commander's intent, and I think that's where I, where I personally became successful in um, all, all throughout the deployment. And obviously, trying to keep the, at the at the embassy level, trying to keep the BS from the teams. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, I never really play into the politics. I never really, you know, I never chase any NCOERs or awards or nothing like that. I just try to do my job and do the best I can with it. And that, And that's all you can do. Just do your job, do the best that you can do. Either for your guys, and you're golden. That's pretty much all you can do. Um, so you come, so you're having the time of your life in Colombia. Well, kind of, right? But you're also uh, pretty much honing your skills in Colombia, right? You're honing your skills in Colombia. You're you're um, working with all kinds of agencies. You're being su- you're being successful and thinking in the bigger strategic level and how you can affect them. Uh, anything kind of kind of that stood out to you in that time yeah so well like just talking strategically in colombia i got the opportunity to work with generals mayors um again like no job in the army at least that i know of where you could have such an impact yeah at, at that level um, as an e6 as a- no, no job in the army is gonna well other than other than soft is gonna yeah. let you be. Is gonna let you talk to like a general. Exactly, and again, being a Spanish speaker, you know, that can that can allow me to even go a little step forward mm-hmm. to assist and, and really push the message out. Um, you know, in the interest of the USG, yeah, you know, it's United States government um, to support and, and and move forward with it, and that's really that's that's really it. That's that's what we really bring to a table. Again, not. Not the, the the personal politics or, or or anything like that. Just just how can we influence these people, whatever level they are, to come and support us in our interests? You know. Yeah, I like that. Um, so you're in Colombia. You're having the time of your life again, and you come back 
and deep deploy again. Yeah, so I come back from Colombia. Still in charge company, but my time there comes to an end, so I get put in battalion. Now I'm in the S three seven. Well, actually no. Before that, right before that, I do deploy one more time to Peru. <laughs> you deployed Peru again, okay? Yeah. So I make the the best ceviche in town because <laughs> you know. But I deploy back to Peru, but this time I'm in the capital in Lima. Okay. Which, to everybody listening, if you have not been to Peru, you have to go. And you have to go to Cusco, and from Cusco, go to Machu Picchu. Oh, shit. I travel all over the world. And until one point, Iceland was one of the best places I ever visited. Until... You went to Peru? Until I went to Peru to Machu Picchu. Okay. When you go up there... I can't explain it. There's nothing in this world that you see that you're like, man. What is it about it? Everything about it. Like, just how literally you're at a peak of a steep mountain and you have uh, this big blocks, these pyramids going on. You're like, how the... Perfectly cut, by the way. Perfectly cut. And you're like, man, how how the hell does this happen? Mm -hmm. But just me talking about it doesn't even... Touch on the basis. You actually got to go and see it. So if you have the opportunity, go take your trip to Cusco and then go to Machu Picchu. While you acclimatize, go see Rainbow Mountain because it sucks. I thought I was in good shape until I had Rainbow, Rainbow Mountain. Okay. I say that because I started walking and then I got burnt out. I'm like, man, fuck this. So I, I hired one of the locals to give me a little donkey and push me. Up to the top. <laughs> There's an old lady next to you just yeah. fucking yeah, the, booking the, it. And you're just like, fuck. There is, you know, because I didn't, I'm a gangster. So you know, I'm over there, <laughs> yeah. there leaning back on my donkey. And I see the rest of my team just walking like suckers. <laughs> so put that on your bucket yeah, list. Yeah, get the donkey. <laughs> so you're, uh, you, you get deployed to Peru again. And uh, at this point, we're around 2019. Anything really stand out for you? No, it was good. Um, honestly, it, it was good learning experience because I brought all the knowledge from my first deployment the CMO experience at this time I had the knowledge of NDC mm-hmm. which if you're in civil affairs and you're hearing this like if you have not gone to NDC that's a great course to go to like that really opened my mind I think that is the best course I think they should teach that in the school course it sucks that you have to have some experience yeah because you have it. to have like 48 months in uh, civil affairs or yeah yeah and, and, and I mean, I understand why, but I think that's the wrong answer because honestly, like if, if I had NDC from the beginning, which the network develop, development course, if if you would teach that in the Q course, you will bring so much more to the table, you know, deploying down range where mm-hmm. now you can work with all this, you know, what, what, we, what we really do. Tell us a little bit about uh, NDC. Um, like uh, what did it teach you? Not to get too much in that, but I would just say it's just the networking part. Okay. Like how how can you work with other entities to build? How to build and work with other entities. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. So those of you out there who are uh, in soft, go to NDC. Yeah. Go to NDC because that works. So you get back from uh, 
Peru, right? And you get back from Peru, any problems at that point? So I get back from Peru and had a little issue with the with the command team. Okay, which we all do. To be honest, we we all have issues yeah, with command but, team. But I'm hard headed. I play no games, so you know <laughs> I really. <laughs> okay. So, um, I say how it is. So, I had a had an issue with the command team, and then um, got put in the battalion. Um. At the time, I got put in the S3, S37, NCYC. So, was in charge of training. Um, the S3 Sergeant Major, at the time, was uh, Sergeant Major Boudou. You know, he pulled me aside. Shout out. Yes. He said, look, I don't care what happened. Show me you can work. And that's it. That's all I want. Sure enough, you know, I've always been a hard worker. So, got put in battalion. You know, have to the the actual battalion CSM, seeing how how I acted, and um, turn off the, the just what I always did, did my job, I'm doing great. I kiss no ass. I don't work hard, play hard, baby. Work hard, play hard. That's and what then, I'm talking about. And I uh, moved forward from there. You know, they they saw that I brought some innovation to the 98th. Mm-hmm. Um, you being a previous school NCO. I think offline, I talked to you about some of the things I implement that yeah that helped you guys out. Yeah, it really did. The the you you implemented the the digital school packets. Yeah, yeah, just, just simple stuff like that. Like, like you know, just to not, not to go too much in depth during COVID times, which not to be proud of, but I was the first one <laughs> in the brigade to get COVID. Shout out to myself. Um, so I had a little vacation, but wow. While I, while I had COVID, um, you know, had the fever. I'm like, and this is 2020 when no one, nobody knew what COVID was. So like, oh my yeah, god, yeah, you thought you were gonna die. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Like, I was literally, I was like, man, well, here I go. The stupid virus just killed me, <laughs> and then um, but it didn't. So I'm there working from home, and like, well, our battalion has paper packets for schools because I was a school NCO, language NCO, and training NCO all in one. So I'm like, well, let me make, you know, I'm over here taking paper packets, scanning them, sending them back to myself. This makes no sense. Let me make yeah, no goddamn sense. So I go to, to at the time, so I made you like, I'm like, this makes no sense. How about mm-hmm. we do this? But behind the scenes, I'm lazy at heart. <laughs> I was trying to make things easier for myself. That That's straight up. Like, everything I do is just, how can I make this easier for myself? So I'm like, well, if I make this digital, I don't got to do this bullshit, so... I came up with a great idea. How about we make this package digital, you know, and, and you know, the first time I sign off, you sign off, and then I get it, and then I pass it off to Brigade. How's that sound? He's like, oh, man, that's great. Let's do a test run and see how it works. Try not. And it worked. It worked. <laughs> From there, you know, now now we're in COVID times, and, and, and I'm over there sick, you know, because <laughs> at the time Colonel Curtis, you know, he's like, Oh, Sergeant Beavis got Kurt got got COVID. Give him another month at home. I'm like, say no more. Yeah. Say less. Yeah, say less. So I'm over there, free leave. I'm over there playing Call of Duty. You know, Chilling. Like, yeah, I'm over there getting my 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 kill streak strong. And then here I got a little email. I'm on my right with a with the government computer. Hey, um, I want to go see her. I'm like, ah, fuck. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> get back to popping some shots. <laughs> 
Oh my god. So you had a hell of a time during COVID. Oh, you were yeah. the patients there for the ninety fifth. Yeah, Shout out to the ninety fifth. So I know we I know we talked about this briefly. But we talked about the importance of uh, taking action in the presence of adversity. Can you talk about a little? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, through, throughout my military career and, and just my personal life, we always have roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Not, not only roadblocks, but challenges. And I think I pride myself in in going against that. Like, you know, every time a roadblock came. I would try to see, uh, I was trying to find a solution. And if I did not find a solution, there was always somebody that I knew. I never gave up. I never, like, threw in the towel. I was just always, and you know, at least I could say for my life, man, I lost count how many times I, I got hit with a bat, you know. Yeah. I was, like, down. I was like, man, this sucks. But guess what? I know it's, it's kind of cliche, but, like, never give up. Always look at adversity like an like a opportunity. Yeah, you know, like, what can I do to to find the solution? Be a problem solver, and that's what I challenge a lot of people on. You know, I talk to a lot of people. I try to give my two cents because at the end of the day, people are gonna do what they want to do. Yeah, and I always try to give my two cents from the experience I have. Yeah, and the the challenges I have overcame, and I'll be like, man, like this is why I did to overcome this or. This is something you should do, or maybe you find a solution doing it this way. Just to give your two cents, because you have a whole fucking oh, hell of experience. Oh yeah, and that experience can help um, a new soldier or an experienced soldier yeah. uh, in that case. But it, your experience ha- uh, gives a, a different perspective on that on whatever topic it might be. But it but it it does give a different eye. Yeah, and that's all. And that's all I try to do because at the end of the day, people are gonna do what they want to do. You know? Yeah. Um, if I can make it simpler, if maybe I could help them see it from their perspective, that's what I want to do because that's what other people have done for me. Sometimes I be you know laying the ground and I'm like, man, like this sucks. I mean, I'll say that there been there was a few years. Well, there were some years in my life where I was really down, like yeah. really sucking, and I was like, man, like this sucks. You know, if it, if if it wasn't for my support team, I probably wouldn't be here. You know. Yeah, and and um, I feel you, man. We've all gone through those and, dark times, and, and and it was very dark times. But guess what? Like, like uh, at the end of the day, I don't let that dictate how I should feel or how I should act. So I just overcame it. Hey, yeah. You know, that's what that's why I try. You know, if I can do it, man, and that, that's why I try to tell people like. Like, if I can do it, anywhere I can do it, you know. Yeah. I don't do nothing special. I just act. Yeah. I just I just see what, what there is to do. I learn from people that are already doing it, and I just act. And, and, and that's the beauty of the Army and Civil Affairs, because you network, you learn how to talk to people, and you learn from them. For the, uh, for the, the most, most importantly, you learn from them. And you're, you might get some good people, you might get some bad people, you know, but... The good thing about the good people is you know what to do. The good thing about the bad people is you know what not to do. And that's the important thing, right? No, exactly. That's the important thing. Um, exactly good. Yeah, and um, we've had a hell of a career, dude. And you always find try to find the best out of this, the situation. Always find the order and chaos. Shout out to the 98th. <laughs> oh, I strive in chaos. I, you know something? I love in chaos. And I challenge people. I like... 
learn from chaos. Yeah. Embrace it. Embrace it because that will make you better. Like, like when, when I'm not in chaos, when, when it feels weird, I don't have that pressure. I feel bored. But once you start getting that pressure and once you, and, and that's what, one of the things that, one of the reasons why I decided to get out. The army's great. I, I will do it over and over again. It's just that I got bored. Mm-hmm. I got bored because I felt myself wasn't being challenged enough to go to the next step. Um, okay. And again, it goes back to I just chaos, but just just that pressure that 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 you get, you know, initially, and then once you overcome it, you're like, well, what's next? What's next? And you're ready, and and then when when you have your leadership, and you're just like, man, I can do that. I can go. I can do that. I can do that. And you're like, well, that's now. I'm just here, and like the lower levels, like, come on, like, come on, feed feed the beast, pretty much. Yeah. And 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 that's how I was I was feeling. So like, you know what? Um, because at the end of the day, like at least for me, and everybody thinks differently, you know. At least for me, it wasn't always about the money. It's just for me, like living life, just living life to the fullest. Living life where you're getting challenged, where you're growing professionally. Where you're growing personally, you, where you're becoming a better person, and I'm the—I mean, I could say I'm, I'm the perfect example of that. From from growing up to to being a troublemaker, you know. Because if it, if it wasn't for the army, I'd probably be in jail. You know. Yeah, a lot of us. A lot of us were, but that's those are the ones that make the best soldiers. And I wasn't always a goody goody. Even in the army, I wasn't goody goody. I just <laughs> never got caught. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But you you just got to keep going and, and find ways to make yourself better. Try. And not only yourself, you know, try to make those around you better. Try to teach them. Try to share your knowledge. I mean, that... Wherever you go, try to at least make a difference yeah. in one soldier. Yeah, because I think that that's that's the difference between us and, and them. Because, you know, being in El Salvador, being in, in Peru, in Colombia, that's one thing I always saw. It's like the younger enlisted or just the enlisted in general never really got the opportunity for education. And knowledge is power. So, you know, you have these officers, at least in these countries, um, that will just hold all the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then the enlisted are just like... They're just left, left to fend for themselves. Yeah. Whereas here in the United States Army, we get the opportunity to to learn, to to better ourselves. Um, you know, get your... And, 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 you know, at least the Army itself provides so many opportunities to continue your education where there's the cool tap into the cool program tap into TA tap into BSEP for base the baseline tap into BSEP if you want to get if you want to grow in the army tap yeah. into BSEP and then go into the college and then go into the army cool program because yeah. the, like you said the army does uh, provide a bunch of different programs for you to continue your education yeah, and, and, and I challenge everybody like if anybody's listening to this if you take one thing away from this is tap into those programs, tap into the cool. And I'll give you a sample of what, what I did. Like I have paid $0 for my associates, $0 for my bachelor. Yeah. I have paid $0 for my PMP certification, you know, project manager qualified. I'm a pilot, you know, I got my pilot license thanks to the army. This man can fly. You get what I'm saying? Like, and everybody has this opportunity. You just got to take advantage of it. Like, but one thing I noticed is people say, you know what? I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. 
You got to act now. There's never a good time. And and that's what I had to learn. That's what I had to learn um, after a good while. I always said, oh, I'll start classes this because I used to be a mechanic and, oh, it's too busy. It's too that. But one thing I learned in the Army is that one thing I learned about being a mechanic is that nobody's going to care for your career more than you. And that's what that's what an E7 told me. Oh, fuck. Shout out to Sergeant First Class Velasquez. He's probably a first arm by now, but shout out to Sound First Class Velasquez because he told he's the one that told me nobody's gonna give a shit about your career besides you. And that's when I learned, oh fuck, that's true. I, I'm the only one who can make a difference in my career. Cause the motor pool is gonna stay there or not. The, the your job is gonna stay there even after you leave. But your career is in your own fucking hands. And that's what you're talking about. You gotta you gotta take care, you gotta you got to take advantage of those programs while they're at it. Willie, we got to get you back for a fucking part two to figure out what uh, to, to let, get you to talk about your post army and, and how to succeed. But for now, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and ask you a couple questions uh, like we do in uh, like we do in wet boots fashion. Um, first question, what is your favorite rites of passage? Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot, but man, you know, just saying that, you know what? The first thing that comes to my mind is Germany, behind the barracks, just low crawling. I bet nobody here has ever mopped a barracks floor low crawling. What the about, fuck? I'm talking about these E5, E6 dumping water and. You know, and you're my, you're the one that's mopping it with your body. <laughs> I have never done not, that. Not just me, but the whole squad you know, <laughs> going up and down, up and down. I said, man, this sucks, but but it worked though. But it, it's good because you know at the bed, you know at least this is in Germany. You know you, you have your barracks room, you have your floor. There, there were three floors where were the low crawling. But guess what? You took a little effort. The closer you got to your room, so like. Man, that's my room. Let me let me look a little, a little bit harder, so it's a little bit shinier. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the rest, you you know, you went from low crawl, and then after you pass your room, you go to high crawl. I'm like, oh, fuck this dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question: What moment in the army really tested your will and made you rethink your choices to join? Man, this one this one's hard one. Um. So I did re-enlist a couple times in the, mm-hmm. in, in the military, and I'll say the, the 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 big one was after my first deployment. Uh, again, this was at the at the height of the search, and being back in the day, being infantry man, that I feel like that's what I wanted to do. I love the adrenaline, and and how most of all, I mean, I will say I can't speak for every other MOS, but I will say this for at least the previous 11 Bravos, is that to this day, to the day I got out of the military, I have never felt any commodity as I had back in the infantry. I can't, I can't speak for the mechanics. I can't speak for the cook for the cooks. I can't speak for anybody else, but I will say that that's one of the things that like that brotherhood. And, and it's something I, I could try to explain, but unless you lift it, you don't really know it. And again, I, it's, it's it's crazy like it's i know it sounds corny but it's it, it, it's something that pretty much kept, kept me going um 
again, as you get old, you start seeing things from a different perspective, and you're like, well, now I'm, I'm this age and I'm doing this. Now one, now maybe I should start doing this. But what forward. what moment made you made you almost regret that? Oh, definitely back 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 and forth story. You know? <laughs> just 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 the silliness, you know. You, yeah. A lot of things you sit you with a bad way, with motivation because. At the end of the day, I feel like everybody wants to grow. I feel like everybody wants to get challenged. And when that's not happening, you're just like. You're just there. You're just there. Just I felt like I was getting my my life sucked away. Okay. You know, so I was like, man. That made you really want to like. Get out and think up, yeah. rethink everything. Um, well, that goes to say that your best moment in the Army was the brotherhood that you felt in the uh, infantry. Yeah. The, the brotherhood and the closeness that, that you felt in the infantry. Um, what advice, now this is a very, I didn't ask you this before, but what advice or words would you give to the worst leader that you've ever had? Besides fuck you. <laughs> nah, honestly, that, that's one thing about me. Like literally, so one thing, you know, a lot of my friends know where I live, so I would say this about me. It's like every time I left Chicken Gate, mm. as soon as I, have, I passed Chicken Gate, everything with the Army, where there was 17, God 1800. Stayed, stayed there. Stayed there. Yeah, you know? I feel you. I never took it home. That's one thing about me. I never took it home. So um, so to your question is, my worst leader, which is more than one, but I would say to, to any leader struggling, it's like I would say you take a tactical pause. Mm-hmm. Especially in ninety fifth, <laughs> I will say this: this this is a common theme in ninety fifth, and not I'm out. I can say whatever, you know. <laughs> but but literally, like I'll tell you this: I ca- I came up through the ranks, mm-hmm. and our brigade just lacks the fortitude to take care of the soldiers, mm-hmm. and. A lot of people misunderstand what taking care of soldiers means. You know, oh, let's do a... A, a, a battalion run, a company a run. run. Or let's do a, a mandatory fund. That's that's not taking care of soldiers. Like, really get to know your soldiers. Um, I'll, and I haven't seen this from leadership in a, in a long time. And I'm just talking specifically about 95th and my battalion experience. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for the, the other battalions, but... I remember when I first got to to ninety eighth, the the battalion commander was there at the time. He knew every single soldier. The battalion commander knew and every single soldier by name. Where we will have meetings upstairs, and he'll you know call you by name. Hey, Sergeant Vivas, what do you think of this? And, and it's also, and it's just that small detail. It's a small detail, but it just shows that you care. Like, yeah. And, and that's, we, that's and we talked about this in my last episode. It's just that small detail, whether it's just knowing your name or just knowing a tiny bit about yourself that help that lets you as at least a lower enlisted yeah. feel like you're cared for. And not, it doesn't go. That's not just for the top levels. It goes down to, you know, the senior NCO mm-hmm. it goes down to, you know, the Team sergeants, yeah, first sergeants, you know, really know your soldiers. That's if I could give, you know, if you want to retain people in the in the brigade, if you want to retain people in your company, in your battalion, you want to push them forward, just get to know them. Like, 
put those trackers aside. Put those NCOER or your bullets aside. Just really sit down and, and, and know the mission. Take care of your soldiers and see the way forward. And I guarantee you everything else will fall in place. People, mission, readiness. We say that, but we don't action. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll tell you from yeah. I'm seven years in 98, never left that place. Seven years in 98, and it all sounds good on paper. It all sounds good in black and white. Well, one thing's actually... But we have to action, action. on it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree with you, man. Um, almost the last question. What advice would you give to someone who's fresh out of basic and or AIT? Well, the times have changed. Yeah. So you probably get to a union and you're not going to get fucked up. You know, you're probably going to get get cookies and, and whatever else they give yeah, you. Yeah, no, yeah, they don't, they don't do them like they do anymore. But... To anybody, really, if you, if you come into the military, whether whatever branch you're serving, I would say you take advantage of it. Because one thing I learned, you know, I felt like early in my career I was brainwashed, and what I mean by that is, you know, hey, you know, kill, 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 cool. But at some point, twenty years on the line, that's going to end. So what are you going to do after? So you got to take care of yourself. Yes. So. At some point, you got to look at yourself, look at your 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 surroundings. As, and what I mean by surroundings is your 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 spouse, your kids. If you have kids, if you have a spouse, your 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 parents or whoever you're you're close to. And you'll see because at the end of the day, like, and I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, we could talk this in part two. You know, I, I hung up my uniform May thirtieth, and it ends. Yeah. It at ends. some point, that's gonna end. But the army, but as the song goes, the army goes rolling along. The army goes rolling along, but you, as a me, as a person, as a person, that's 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 a close chapter. Yeah. So if I give if I give any advice to anybody joining up, it's just, and it's hard. It's hard because you're so young. But is how can you think a little bit ahead to get yourself at the ten and twenty year timeline? What should you be looking forward? I wish somebody sat me down back in the day, way back in the day, and be like, hey, get your associate degree, get your bachelor's degree. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, start. Imagine if I used my cool program every $45 as you, as you were in E4? Oh, my God. So that's so, just stuff that they don't teach. Yeah. But I wish I had the opportunity. So if you, you ask me what advice I can give, and I'll give it all day long. It's like, man, just invest in yourself mm-hmm. every year you wear that uniform invest in yourself whereas if you get out at 4 10 20 23 30 years i don't care if you're a look i don't care if you're a colonel or a sergeant major or whatever i'll tell you this or a fucking specialist whatever in the, in the civilian life nobody cares what your family and those that were around you like it don't it does not matter but what mm-hmm. does matter is the investment you made in yourself and how you can you know create that personal growth and professional growth mm-hmm. beyond Love it, man. Love it. Very last question before we head out. Would you do it all over again? Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah, dude. That's what I like to hear. Hell yeah. That's what I fucking like to hear, man. And uh, Willie, you've had an extensive career and you have a wealth of knowledge. You have a huge fountain of knowledge that uh, we can't get into uh, uh, today, but we're definitely going to have to do a part two to... uh, talk about your post army and uh how to succeed 100 um 
we're de- like I said before, we're de- definitely going to have to have you back for part two. It's been such an honor and a privilege to have you here. The famous one and only <laughs> Willie. The underground. The underground, baby. <laughs> the underground Willie Vivas to have you here on the podcast. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, camera's all you, dude. Tell the people where they can find you. Hey, just Realty with Willie in Instagram. Just Hell follow yeah. Follow me, you know. Um, hung on my uniform back in May 30th, but... He's still I'm hanging still around, hanging, baby. So let me know how I can help. He's I'm still very, hanging around. Still very approachable. Just hit me up. Oh, yeah, man. You're the best. Um, all I ask is um, thank you for coming on. All I ask is if you've gotten anything out of this, uh, don't even share. Like, just tell somebody about it. You know, tell somebody about the knowledge that you've gotten from, from Willie. Tell somebody about the knowledge that you've gotten from the podcast. Um, Willie, again, thank you so much for coming on. I owe you so much, man. You're the greatest, man. You're the best. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Send us your emails. Tell somebody about the podcast. Follow Willie on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. We'll see you next time.